Hello, dear podcast listeners and fellow history nerds. It's Erin from the Colorado and Newspaper coming at you again from lovely Fort Collins, Colorado. And you're listening to the third episode of The Way It Was, a podcast podcast, where I dive into Northern Colorado history with my trademark zing, pep, and obsession with historical documents. Also, I'm getting over a cold, so please enjoy my uncommonly low and raspy voice and remember me this way. I told you last month that not every episode I do is going to be fun, but guess what? This one is, because you know what? You earned it. So today, I'm diving into a most beloved piece of Fort Collins. It's on the National Register of Historic Places. Sexy, I know. But that's just it. It's not a place. It's not one of the stately buildings on CSU's campus or one of the historic homes in Old Town. It's not even a plot of land. But if you're in downtown on a nice summer day in Fort Collins, you might just see it or hear it. But do you know its story? Well, buckle up, buttercups, because you're about to. Here is The Way It Was, Episode 3, The Unexpected Fight for the Fort Collins Trolley. If you haven't figured it out, that was from inside the Fort Collins streetcar, or trolley. More specifically, Bernie Car 21. Every Saturday and Sunday afternoon, from May through September, weather permitting, you'll see the restored little streetcar chugging along Mountain Avenue in Fort Collins. Out from its depot at City Park and onto Mountain, it ferries people to and from Old Town, or for my purposes, just took me on a straight up and back three-mile loop through one of our city's most picturesque spots. The homes there on Mountain each look historic, and some are. The street's wide and tree-lined, a grassy median sits in the middle, and in the middle of that is where Bernie Car 21 runs. It's a Fort Collins fixture by now. It was built in 1919 and came to Fort Collins that same year, when the city took over the trolley system and deployed a fleet of these little Bernie streetcars, and they became part of the fabric of Fort Collins. They got people to work, took kids to school, and in 1951, when the city ceased its trolley service, they scattered, except for Car 21. Well, I was a member of the Junior Women's Club in 1977, which later became Junior League. That's Carol Tunner. We had entered a, a program called the Business for Beauty Contest, and I was the chair of that that year. Uh, we actually won first place in the state and then went on to national and won third place in the nation and uh, won $500. I wanted to see it spent in the downtown area somehow. Mm -hmm. So I went down and talked to the director at that time, the fellow who was doing all the downtown renovations at that time. They were putting in the medians and the trees on on College Avenue and, mm -hmm. and, and Mountain Avenue. 
uh, and just and the street lights and everything and really gussying up the downtown. When I talked to the director, he said, well, he said, uh, somebody, um, I think he said somebody over in Edal Landscape said, why don't they take that old trolley in, in Library Park and fix it up and put it down in front of what was the Stone Line bookstore at that time? Because um, we were just beginning to work on the Old Town Plaza at that time. At 77, they, were, they had dreams. They'd closed off Linden Street at that point. Um, the, the, the Old Town Plaza didn't come out of the woodwork until a few years later. But he said, put it out in front of the bookstore and, and use it as a ticket booth or a visitor's information center. Um, so, and I said, uh, what old trolley? <laughs> After Fort Collins's Bernie cars disbanded, Bernie Car 21 remained, and in the 1970s, when Carol got her hands on it, it had been sitting in Library Park, which was near the former Fort Collins Museum. The plaza Carol's talking about, by the way, is Old Town Square. A lot of things were happening as far as historical preservation and rejuvenation down in Old Town around that time, and Tunner's group planned to give Bernie Car 21 a new life by sprucing it up and plopping it down at the entrance of the soon-to-be-built Old Town Square. The original idea, as she said, was just to kind of sit it there and use it as a ticket counter for downtown events and as a little showcase of the past. I went over that fall, and the city's local history coordinator in the library took me out to look at it, to see it. And it was in pretty bad shape, but I didn't see that. I wasn't smart enough or wiser, or I guess I wasn't qualified to understand how bad it was. And I thought, well, we can patch up the broken windows, you know, put broken windows, fix those. We can patch up the holes in the roof and, you know, stick it downtown. Um, that night I went to a, a party at a, a preservationist house, Liston Leyendecker, and, and uh, the former mayor, Tom Bennett, came up to me, I think it was Tom Bennett is his name, came up to me and said, well, why don't you really do a good job on this? He says, get it into the old streetcar barn on Howe Street and, uh, and, and really do a good job on it. After getting approval from the city to move the trolley into the streetcar barn, that's what they did. And soon after, volunteers were coming out of the woodwork, each with their own set of skills to set into motion this little trolley restoration. We started restoring it. I think the Breakfast Optimist Club was the first ones that came down and started taking it apart. And every time they took something off, there was something worse underneath. I remember I was up on a ladder on the side of the car, and I was copying Fort Collins Municipal Railway because I knew we were going to have to sandblast the car to get all the layers of paint off of it. So I'm copying this down at the top of the ladder, and uh, all of a sudden I heard this bang, and then I heard, uh-oh, uh, Carol, come here. And I thought, I'm not cutting down off this ladder. I remember this so clearly. I'm not coming. <laughs> Carol, you've got to come look at this. So I went down and looked. They had taken the little, there's a small skirt on the front of the car that wraps around the front, and they took it off. And underneath, it was a mess of rot and rust. The, the system was there was a, 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 an L-shaped piece of wood that went around the front of the car. And oh, first of all, there was a, an L-shaped angle iron that went around the front of the car. You know, it was like this all the way around yeah, the car. Okay. And inside that was wood. 
and then inside that the floorboards would screw into that mm -hmm. that was the way it was constructed so we took it all apart and and we actually had to masking tape the wood together in pieces so that we could lay it on the ground to show and then the rust was complete there was no angle iron left in the middle and I looked at it and I said, oh, 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 that looks bad. I guess we can't go any further. And they said, well, um, why don't you see if you can get another piece of angle iron made, you know. And I said, where am I going to go do that? Somebody said, well, try Maxi Manufacturing. So I went out there and I walked in and I asked to speak to the owner. Um, so I went in and saw Lauren Maxi and he's across the desk from me and I had my little paper. I pushed it across, scared to death. Nobody likes to ask for anything or mm -hmm. beg or can you do this for free, but I got pretty darn good at it in <laughs> seven years. And uh, he pulled it over and he looked at it and he said, oh yeah, he says, uh, you know, they don't have much use for this kind of construction anymore. He says, uh, we use it occasionally for horse trailers, huh. you know, for little horse huh. trailers. He says, but there isn't anybody in town that's got the rolling stock to roll an eight-foot-long piece for you. And I reached across to get the paper and pulled it back toward me, and I said, well, I guess that's it. We've reached the end of the line. And he grabbed it and pulled it back <laughs> and said, oh, no, now, wait a minute. He says, I'll have it rolled for you down in Denver and brought up. <coughs> Sixteen feet. Wow. One for each end of the car. And right then, I knew that's when I, the light bulb dawned that we can do this. We can restore this completely. Mm -hmm. We can make this new again. I had such confidence at that point. I just That was the stumbling block at the beginning that just made it all steamroll. So the plan went from slapping some fresh paint on the trolley and patching its holes to performing a ground-up restoration, laying tracks along Mountain Avenue and running a weekend trolley system in Old Town. The Fort Collins Municipal Railway, which still operates the trolley today, was incorporated shortly after in 1980, and Carol Tunner, with her ragtag group of volunteers behind her, became Mother Trolley. This was Carol's first preservation project, but it wasn't her last. She'd end up working for the city planner's office for 20 years, and was integral in saving the Spanish-style house at the corner of College and Prospect. Everyone knows it as the Taco Bell house. So here at the Colorado Inn, we have a whole room of archived pictures and news clippings from as far back as the 60s and as recent as the 90s. I looked for Carol's name and found one skinny folder. In it was a single photo of her from the 1990s. And she's crying, standing on the side of the road and crying as she watched a historic house that preservationists had tried to save being torn down. In case you were wondering, yes, there was also a folder on the trolley in the archives, and it was thick. Before I started this podcast, I went looking for it to see cute old photos of the trolley puttering down mountain, but instead I found something else. News clippings after news clippings told this dramatic tale I'd never even heard of. Pictures showed signs sticking out of lawns on Mountain Avenue and protesters gathering around the trolley. Preserve our parkway, their sign said, with a big line through a little cartoon trolley. Wait, this precious slice of Fort Collins is past? The trolley! Everyone loves a trolley. People didn't want it? I'll take that on next. You're listening to The Way It Was, a history podcast brought to you by the Coloradoans Facebook Messenger Alerts. Would you like to be the first to know when news breaks in Northern Colorado? 
Or are you more of an entertainment junkie who would love to see the best options of things to do this weekend? Sign up for the Coloradoans Alerts on Facebook Messenger for a truly customized news experience. Visit facebook.com slash coloradoan and send us a message to get started. So I, my name's Erin, I'm from the Coloradoan, uh-huh. and I have a, a historical podcast called The Way It Was. Oh, wow. And so I take on a new topic each month that has a historical theme in Fort Collins. That's me again, sitting on a bench outside of the trolley's depot in City Park near the tennis courts. I'm waiting for the trolley, and the guy I'm talking to is Jim Hebeln, an early supporter of the trolley who I struck up a conversation with, and he was nice enough to let me record it. I donated $100. I thought it was really cool. And uh, I was really kind of surprised by all the... Well, they were yellow signs about the size of a for sale sign. And uh, they said... Preserve our parkway? And Does that sound right? Well, the ones I saw had a black silhouette of the trolley. And then over that, there was a circle with a line through it, like you would normally see for no left turn or that sort of mm-hmm. thing. And across the top, it said no trolley and a couple of exclamation points. And then across the bottom, in a similar smiley face kind of a arrangement of the letters, it said, No Disneyland! Exclamation what? point, exclamation point. Why? This is, ni- this is the early 80s. Uh-huh. Now, it wasn't until 1997 that the widow of Harper Goff, who helped design Disneyland, started talking to one of the reporters at the Colorado one, and she spilled the beans because he didn't talk about this, that he came back here under Disney's direction and took pictures of Old Town to uh, design Main Street USA. Mm-hmm. So at the time, it was just an ironic uh, coincidence that they said no Disneyland because they just viewed it as a, a noisy amusement ride. Really? Yeah. Some people worried that uh, the way the electrical works, that it was going to corrode their water pipes in their house. And there were issues with some of these things. Um, trolley lines noised up telephone lines, <coughs> something terrible. Mm. But, but um, this hasn't been an issue. Just so you know, that Disneyland story, the one about Fort Collins serving as inspiration for the designs of Main Street Disney, I'll actually go into that down the road and dedicate a whole podcast episode to it. So stay tuned for that. But back to the trolley opposition, according to Carol, about a dozen families that lived on Mountain Avenue did not want this trolley. And as she said, some of their reasons were valid. The median on Mountain was finally nice with green grass and trees. After being a mess in the years past, they didn't want to lose these trees to tracks going in for the trolley. And Carol said some people wondered, and rightfully so, if this little group of volunteers had the time and money to be able to see a project of this magnitude through. In the end, things got pretty heated. Here's Carol again. I, I guess we, we first realized that they were against it was when we the walls went up on the trolley barn. We had the, the, the students had laid all these concrete block walls and we came down right around Christmas. We came down one Saturday and they had spray painted, this, this couple had spray painted um, five-foot-high letters, sick location, and an unhappy face. Uh, when we were moving trees, um, the first tree we moved 
east of Shield Street. I was working at that time as the secretary for Senator Jim Beatty's office, legal lawyer. And I was all dressed up in this gorgeous red wool suit, little white bow and my collar and, and um, high heels. And it was spring and the ground was soft and, and um, nobody from our group, they all worked and they, nobody had wanted to be there. And somebody had to be there with a tree mover. And I'd gotten the largest tree spade in the state up from Castle Rock. And um, so I had to go and my boss said, yeah, go ahead. So I went over and the tree moving, got the tree in the truck and was up in the air and we're all watching it. And all of a sudden it stopped. It stopped dead, it didn't move. And what? And then we looked, and there was this lady climbing out of the truck. She had taken the keys out of the truck, and she ran across the street and threw it in the bushes. And here I am in high heels and muddy soft ground. I ran after her, and I saw where she threw them, and I found the keys, and I brought them back. Wow. And then at one point, they chained themselves around the trees. Mm -hmm. But it went to court. They it cost us $15,000. Um, they went through two or three lawyers. I don't remember how many, for sure. Two at least, I can remember. And um, we got one lawyer. I went to one of my neighbors, and he agreed to be our lawyer, David Wood, who had just finished as the city's, as county's district attorney, hmm. and had also finished a term as the State Bar Association president. And he just riddled the opposition, and they, the city, the city got itself. They sued us and the city, and the city got itself exempted from the lawsuit. Anyway, the judge decided that, uh, uh, per their uh, objections, um, it was not going to be noisy. They did noise studies. It was not going to be noisy. Um, it was not going to uh, pollute. It was electric. So it wasn't going to be a gasoline-powered thing, and it wasn't going to pollute. But the big argument that they had that they owned the median was, no, they didn't own the median. The median is owned by the city, and it once held a method of transportation. And if the city wanted to um, put transportation back on that median with an original streetcar, fine. Mm -hmm. And they threw it out of court. So the Fort Collins Municipal Railway motored on after what I like to call the trolley trial. And in December of 1984, they did the first test run on Mountain Avenue. Our opening day, the city had a, an arrangement that we had to have that car, the line-in track from the barn all the way down and into City Park by the tennis courts and a loading area set up, built, um, and the overhead uh, by December 29th, 1984, and we would have our first run, mm -hmm. which was... Um, the first run that the trolley ran in 1907 was December 29th. Mm. So it was to be, you know, an anniversary. And that day was an absolute disaster. The opposition came out in spades. Mm. Channel 7 was there. Channel 9 was there. Um, there were people over on Oak Street that had a car accident because they were fighting with their cars. Mm -hmm. One one was opposed and one was in favor, and they smacked each other. And then the following June is when we started, June 1985 is when we started uh, professional, if you will say, um, operations. So um, 
What did those look like compared to today's? Was it still like weekend rides? Oh, yeah. Okay. We've always done the same thing. I think the fare was 50 cents in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> so against all odds, Bernie Car 21 was back in business. Trolleys had run in Fort Collins first from 1907 to 1918, and then from 1919 to 1951, when the city ran its operations. Back then, in the 50s, it was the last streetcar system to use Bernie cars in the entire United States. And according to Tenor, it was the smallest city to, in the nation, have its own streetcar system. For 32 years, from 1985 up until now, the Fort Collins Municipal Railway volunteers have run Car 21 on these sweet summer weekend days. They've officially run it as long as the city did, back when trolleys were the way to get around town. When I was first starting to research the streetcar and its restoration, I came upon a transcript from a lecture given by a man named Jim, Jim Stitzel. An early volunteer with the project, he was a professor at CSU and a trolley fanatic. In an article for the Coloradoan, he said something I love. He joked, or at least I think it was a joke, by saying, if anyone knew how much work this whole project would have been, they never would have started it. It never would have gotten finished. The volunteers, it seemed, just kept putting one foot in front of the other, and then it was done. Jim's since passed away, but his son Ken Stitzel is around and actually living on Mountain Avenue. He volunteers when he can as a conductor on Car 21. Um, yeah, it started, if you really want to go back, in the 1930s. That He grew up in Illinois, and his dad was a uh, professor of agriculture. Um, I believe it was in Sterling, Illinois, but uh, he came out to do some studying at CSU one summer. And my dad was uh, young and came out with the family and... Um, when he grew up, uh, there were streetcars all over the Midwest. Uh, any, you know, uh, bigger town had probably had some streetcars, and so he always liked streetcars. And he came to Fort Collins, and he was impressed with these little tiny uh, Bernie cars. They only had four wheels, and uh, um, he just thought it was a real pretty system. And he, thought, I don't think he got back to Fort Collins for uh, you know decades after that. But he heard in the 1950s that they were going to scrap the system. And it was the last system to go in Colorado. Uh, there have been a number of systems all up and down the Front Range and even up in the mountains. And, um, but he was kind of sad, and he just uh, took it upon himself to uh, act as a broker. Uh, so he called a bunch of uh, museums that he thought might have an interest in transportation, and then he told them how to get in touch with the city of Fort Collins because they were just going to scrap the streetcars. And so he was like, well, hey, you know, if you talk to so-and-so with the city, then they would probably, uh, you know, sell you one of these old streetcars for cheap. And so thanks to my dad, um, several of the cars got placed in museums as opposed to getting scrapped or just kind of rotting away somewhere. Uh, car 25 was, uh, let's see, oh, Car 26 went to the Henry Ford Museum. Uh, but car 25, I think there were, it's complicated. There are two cars, 25, but one was just for, used for parts, and then they got a second car, 25. But uh, anyway, the deal fell through. Uh, there's a museum group in California that was interested in that. And so my dad is disappointed, and then he called the city back, and, uh, and he said, how much do you want for that streetcar anyway? And the city told him, well, 250 bucks. He was just a grad student at the time and didn't make a lot of money, uh, you know, I guess, you know, student teaching and stuff. 
-hmm. it was a little bit better living in those days than it was now. This was about 1953. And so uh, he paid $250 and was the new owner of a streetcar. He didn't live in Colorado, but he used to work summers down at a dude ranch outside of Colorado Springs in Woodland Park. And so he was desperately trying to figure out what to do with his trolley. And he called the owner of the ranch and said, hey, can I put it on the ranch? And it's, it's along Highway 24 west of uh, Woodland Park. And, uh, and the ranch was, oh, hey, sure, it'll be good advertising. So uh, he spent several years up working up there with my mom. Uh, there was a pair of dude ranches. And, and it's was, it was almost like getting a paid vacation in Colorado during the summers. And um, so they're driving around, and it's not too far from uh, the Cripple Creek Mining District, which used to be quite a, a bustling place, but, you know, the mines were slowly closing down. And um, so, there, you know, a lot of these towns were becoming ghost towns. And he's driving around the town of Victor, and he saw a railroad station for sale. They had torn up the tracks in 1949, and um, uh, so, you know, there really wasn't much value to it. And so he called them and said, well, how much you want for that railroad station? And they're like, oh, 1500 bucks." And so he said, well, I can come up with 1500 bucks." And uh, so then he owned a railroad station as well. But he's thinking, hey, this is great. Now I've got a place to put my trolley car. <laughs> and so... There it sat for almost 40 years outside the old uh, Midland Terminal uh, Railroad Station in Victor, Colorado. And uh, so, of course, that's how I got to know it. That was even before I was born. But um, uh, he eventually got a job here in Fort Collins at CSU. So he uh, had a job in Colorado and a place in the mountains in Colorado, and he's a, a pretty happy man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh so I grew up going to the railroad station during the summers, and then that was just the place where I would play. It was on board car 25. And he would open up the door, and my brother and I would ring the bell and, um, you know, move the controls. And uh, there were some uh, straps that, you know, were kind of like for commuters. So those were like monkey bars for us. And uh, and then the weeds had kind of grown up around the wheels, and so I had a little place where I'd crawl underneath the uh, the front of the car, and I'd hide under there and read books. And uh, so it was just kind of my playground for many years. Ken's father eventually got older and realized after working on Car 21 that he couldn't restore Car 25 on his own. So he sold it, and it bounced around a bit, ending up in Charlotte, North Carolina. And then in 2007, the Fort Collins Municipal Railway purchased Car 25 and brought it home. They're currently restoring it, and it's set to be complete in a couple of years. I haven't been a motorman for several years, but I know I'm going to have to go, you know, train to be a motorman again because I really want to drive car 25 once it's running again. I'm probably going to feel all sentimental about it because, you know, that was my dad's dream. He used to, you know, we used to sit in the car together and talk about it. And he said, you know, I used to, you know, have visions of laying some track down and, you know, stringing up some wire and somehow, you know, getting this thing to run. And, um, but, you know, he, he just had his summers to work on it and uh, didn't really, we didn't do much more than just cosmetically maintain it. We kept it painted and kept the roof patched and uh, it just never seemed possible that it would run. So this was my dad's dream and, you know, it kind of got to be my dream too. I used to, you know, dream, oh, wouldn't it be cool if we could just take the, <laughs> the trolley car down there, uh, down where the tracks used to go or go over to Cripple Creek or something and, um so, yeah, I think it will, it'll be like a dream come true for me, too. And I think my dad will be smiling somewhere when that car is running, and, and uh, especially if I get to drive it now and then. 
And uh, can you live in Fort Collins, correct? Yes, I do. Um, I live on Mountain Avenue, in fact. Uh, oh. The streetcar goes in front of my house when it's running. So it's really fun. Uh, we live in an old 1906 house that belonged to my wife's grandparents. And oh. So we've tried to, you know, not modernize it too much. and uh, But, you know, feel like you're a little bit in the time machine when you look out the window and the streetcar goes by and you feel like you've kind of stepped back in time to the 20s or something. As if Ken's story couldn't be more perfect, he added this little piece about the opposition to the project. It's kind of funny because uh, they had this little, these little signs printed up. It was a little blue sign and it had a cartoon trolley in a circle with a line through it. Mm-hmm. And my wife's late grandfather, uh, who you know, lived in the house that we live in now, was one of the arch supporters of this. He just thought it was a terrible idea. And he kept one of those signs in his window even after the trolley was running. And, you know, the sign really? faded into illegibility, but he just kept it there because he just didn't like the trolley. Enough people got convinced that this was a, a benefit to the community at large and uh, uh, a beautiful historical vision and a living museum, really. And, uh, and so I like to think that even my, my wife's grandfather would have come around, especially, you know, if he'd you know, seeing his great-grandkids riding it and being really happy and, uh, uh, and just, you know, my own family's involvement with it would have been... I, I think even he might have come around. Well, that's a wrap on episode three, y'all. Thanks so much again for listening. A special thank you goes out to Ken and Carol for chatting with me and local history expert Wayne Sundberg for giving me some great information behind the scenes. There are a lot of people who made the trolley or streetcar possible. And for a bit of that history, I'm going to send you to the railway's website, fortcollinstrolley.org. It's a great resource. The Way It Was is a Colorado One podcast, and it's available on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and Apple Podcasts. The next episode will be on the 1997 Spring Creek Flood, so tune back in on the second Thursday of July for a look at that devastation and a city reborn from disaster. And as always, if you have a local history tip, you can reach me through email, erinudell at coloradoin.com, or on Twitter. My handle is Erin Udell. So until next time, nerds, thanks again for listening. Thanks again for listening.